Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Plate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel. You can find my gambling picks at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. And Matt is at Showtime Cappers, of course. Wasn't a good day for me yesterday. I look to get back in the black today. Matt, how we doing? What's going on, Greg? Yes, slight losing day for me as well. Luckily, tacked on some nice second-half plays in Auburn and Ohio State. Uh, both road teams were actually able to get the jobs done to pick back some units. But Michigan State did not come through for my parlay of the day. That was real upsetting with all other legs cashing. Um, and Michigan State had a chance if you saw that game and uh, Mr. Winston could not deliver the free throw in the end when he was fouled on the end one very very disappointing if you haven't seen it go check out the miss and his reaction because he could not believe it himself wow I did not see it I was busy last night uh, but they're down three Greg 12 seconds left they inbound the ball he goes strong to the hole gets fouled so they're down one he gets fouled with about nine seconds left or whatnot. They're down one. He's the chance to obviously tie the game. You know, they get a stop. Now they're going to overtime. Instead, he misses, and that's all she wrote for Michigan State. Wow. 
Yeah, I was on Michigan State. I was just kind of following scores last night. I laid the points, so I was never close. Uh, That was a very surprising result, uh, given Michigan State off a loss to Wisconsin, coming back home, a Penn State team that I went into the game thinking, all right, they're probably good, but they're still a notch below Michigan State, and this number probably would have been around double digits had Michigan State taken care of Wisconsin. So I was very surprised by that score for sure. Then you mentioned the Auburn-Arkansas game. Um, Kind of disappointed that I didn't hop on Auburn at half uh, to kind of, I guess it's easy to say now, but I was on Arkansas minus the point. It kind of felt like one of those trappy, unranked favorite spots that we talk a lot about. And uh, unfortunately I lost that one in overtime. So, but I guess you were on it second half. So if Arkansas had pulled it out in overtime, we both could have won, but didn't work Uh, out. I I had uh, Auburn second half. Uh, I had right. Auburn second half, so they were plus one. Um, right. Okay. And the Auburn won that game in overtime, correct? Yeah. Yeah, but they were yeah. up two at halftime, so effect I need effectively I had them minus one for the game. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So that was that. That's right. Yeah, I, I thought that Arkansas had the lead at half, but I appreciate you correcting me. So uh, yeah. Uh, with that said, uh, we'll move on though. It's a new day, and uh, of course. College basketball uh, takes center stage now. The next and Greg, you know what is even worse about that Michigan State game? I had the under, and I actually had oh. it earlier in the day. If the closing line was one fifty-five and a half, so if you hit the closing line, that won. But if you hit it earlier in the day, Michigan State then decides to foul with point five seconds left, and they obviously Penn State goes from then one forty-three to making two foul shots at a one forty-five total. So very, very, very unfortunate ending. Um, for me, that turned my night from uh, what would have been a positive night to a slightly losing night. But, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and hey, sometimes, you know, I, I got on some of my plays, like I had a pair of max plays that went up in flames. Uh, I was on Portland and uh, DePaul, and those games were not even close. So sometimes it, you'd almost rather lose that way. It's something we talked about. Where Yeah, I, I prefer you know, the blowouts. So, but it happens. Uh, lastly, just on that point, Matt, I mean, uh, I mean, I am a firm believer that every half point matters and, you know, you mentioned situations like that yesterday with that total in Penn state, Michigan state. Um, it can be difficult sometimes to read where the market's going and get the best of that number. But, uh, I think that's something that both you and I, and, and any daily gambler is always in pursuit of. I agree for sure. hundred percent. So let's move on and, uh, get started with our picks. On this Wednesday morning as we record for Wednesday night's slate. Um, and uh, we are going to be college basketball heavy. I mean, that is uh, taking center stage here the next two months from early February until early April uh, when somebody cuts down the nets. Uh, and I want to start, uh, this will be a quick handicap, in the Atlantic 10. I'm on the St. Louis Billikens, minus four and a half at home against the Duquesne. Um, against Duquesne. Excuse me. And uh, Duquesne, I couldn't believe this when I saw this. Greg, no mascot call off for Duquesne? <laughs> yeah, my mistake. Uh, I'm actually, I have to look this up now. I, I'm I just thought kidding. They... I have no idea what the Duquesne. That's right. Okay. I was going to say it. Oh, the Duquesne the... Dukes. That's yes. There we go. That's what I was I was going to say. I was, thought they were called the Dukes. And uh, I they didn't want to say it and be wrong. Don't doubt okay. yourself. <laughs> yeah. I had one of those mid-sentence doubts. But... Um, nonetheless, it's the Duquesne Dukes on the road against the St. Louis Billikens. 
And I was pretty surprised by when I was looking at this uh, Duquesne schedule. They have only played, you know, here we are now. This is February 5th. You know, so the regular season has a month left. They've only played four true road games. A ton of neutral games for Duquesne early in the season. And they're one in three against the spread in those true road games. And all of the opponents are worse than St. Louis is. I mean, St. Louis is third in the Atlantic 10. They're 17 and five. Granted, Duquesne is right behind them. But St. Louis has a chance to seal up an NCAA tournament bid over this next month. And, you know, like, for example, those three opponents or four opponents on the road for Duquesne were, you know, an under 500 UMass team, um, an under 500 George Washington team, a horrible St. Joseph's team. That was the one cover that they had. Um, and, and so I just looked at this and felt, well, this is their toughest road game so far, and they haven't played that well on the road, and I only have to give four and a half points. So I took St. Louis for my first pick. Yeah, Greg, um, I, I don't hate it. I, that is kind of surprising that they are, um, you know, only playing their fifth true road game, you know, this late into the season. And, so, and oh, I forgot to mention, I, I mentioned UMass, St. Joe's, and George Washington being the sub-500 teams. The one good NCAA tournament caliber team that they played on the road was Rhode Island, and they lost by 22. Wow, okay, so clearly the toughest task they've faced on the road thus far? Uh, either Rhode Island or St. Louis, yes. Those are two NCAA-caliber tournament teams in the Atlantic 10. And we, as I said, lost by 22 at Rhode Island and also didn't cover spreads against George Washington and UMass, who are not good. Yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> I, really, I, I don't hate it there. Personally, I'm not on this game. But definitely an interesting matchup, like you said, with their them having their toughest road task of the season. I'm gonna go to um actually the the in an, an earlier game um that starts, Greg, and I'm gonna take us to uh Indiana State and Loyola Chicago. Okay. I really like Indiana State here specifically on the first half. And let me tell you why, Greg. They're Plus seven and a half margin of victory on the first half uh, while playing, you know, at home. And Chicago, Illinois, so when you flip the script, Chicago, Illinois, they're not a good first half team at all. They're actually 213th in the country with a combined home and road average margin of victory at the end of the first half of minus 0.8. So, Pretty bad first half team, and you know, I, I just really in some of these games where it's a little smaller of a games like these two smaller schools, smaller gyms, you can really find noise actually playing more of a factor. You know, assuming that sure. there are people that show out for the games, but it's a little bit just it's just a different type of atmosphere. I'm not saying it's better or worse or harder or easier. But in the smaller gym, when there's less people, sometimes it can feel like more noise if it really is crowded in there. So I'm really hoping that the numbers stay true here and that the home 
crowd plays a bit of a factor for, for Indiana State in the first half. I expect them to be leading after one. Yeah, I think that's an interesting angle that you mentioned with the uh, the smaller gyms and the home crowds. Sometimes those are things that are a little harder to quantify in the number, which could give you a little bit of an advantage if you believe it is underaccounted for. Yeah, only um, see 10,000, Greg. Yeah, and, and, you know, I can tell you that uh, as somebody that went to Temple and has gone to a couple games. Matt, you're from my neck of the woods. Have you ever been to the Palestra? I never have, actually, no. So it only seats 8,000, but I would say it's my favorite place in the world to watch college basketball or to watch basketball, period. It it really gets loud, and sometimes those intimate atmospheres are what college basketball is all about. So um, I certainly don't hate your angle there. I don't really have much else on the game, uh, but, of course, as always, Wishing you nothing but the best. We'll, we'll keep things moving. I'm going to go to uh, Power Conference, the Big Ten, uh, probably the best conference in America. And we saw the depth on display again last, last is night. The Big Ten, the, is the Big Ten your consensus over the Big East? Because I think it's those two, right? Yeah, it is. And I would say the Big Ten is a little bit better because, um, you know, I know that Rutgers lost to Michigan on Saturday. But for the most part, we just see – a top-to-bottom depth in the Big Ten that we don't see in the Big East. So Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, so I, I am going to go to the Big Ten, uh, and I think the wrong team is favored in Iowa-Purdue. And, Matt, I know that a couple weeks ago we had a slight disagreement on the Iowa-Rutgers game, and this kind of – I'm going to kind of use a point in this game that you hinted at in that game, the game was in Iowa City. I liked Iowa. You liked Rutgers. Rutgers ends up getting the cover by the hook. And I think just the point is that the Big Ten home is a little bit overvalued now. And I think, you know, it kind of has been. And I've been waiting for it to kind of regress to the mean a little bit here in the final month of the regular season. And we saw last night that uh, Penn State picked up a road win, obviously, as we discussed uh, Rutgers covered on the road in College Park. Yeah, 3 0 against, against the spread on the road. Against the spread, right. And Ohio State with an outright win as a Give dog. me Wisconsin so, today, Greg. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I just think Iowa getting three points is what I took, is the wrong team favored. Uh, Luca Garza, if you haven't seen him play, you really. Greg, I hate to break it to you though. If you got three, you, you slightly miss a little bit of the number. It's up to four now in Purdue. Ooh, well, uh, that is a bad job on my part. I took this game last night, uh, so hopefully... I don't think it'll play too much of a part here. In, in my opinion, honestly, I was I was such a better team than Purdue that if the home crowd's not playing the factor here, it's more looking like, in my opinion, an Iowa outright or a Purdue by twenty, but. But, yeah. but maybe that's just me going off of Purdue's two home wins, which are Wisconsin and Michigan State, where they won by 20, and then their other home win to Illinois, where they lost by 15. So <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think, yeah, so, but anyway, as I said, Big Ten Road last night, 2-1 and one straight up, 3-0 and oh against the spread. I mentioned Luca Garza. If you haven't seen him play, uh, and you're a college basketball fan, I highly recommend it. And I don't know what you've been doing the rest of the season uh, or so far because Luca Garza and Obi Toppin at Dayton is becoming a very interesting two-man race for National Player of the Year. Uh, and th this dude's a machine. So not only is Iowa the better overall team, but they have the best player. 
and they're getting now four and a half. If you do grab this number at four and a half, uh, then you're doing better than I did. And Matt, I just hope you're right that the points don't matter. Yeah, I just I don't see much of the points. Matter. I'm actually going to stay with this game, and I'm actually going to go to a completely and and let me let me explain something completely different play. I am playing Purdue, however, on the first half only. Um, specific reasons for this, Greg. Purdue is actually a solid uh, first half team in the country, uh, sporting a plus five combined margin in all their games, forty ranked forty two in the country. They turn it up at home, Greg, in the first half, plus 12.6 average margin of victory in the first half of the season. That's pretty damn impressive when you look at it. And on the flip side, Greg, Iowa might be the better team. However, not the better first half team. 65th in the country, plus 3.7 combined average. That average falls on the road, only plus 2.5. So they do have a positive margin of victory on the road. However, for Purdue in this game, I could see Purdue up a nice six or seven and a half. And I said, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the better team comes out of the locker room and Iowa does win this game. That's why I'm staying away from the full game, only playing Purdue on the first half, minus two. Yeah, I, and I think that's a good look if you like Purdue. You probably have to think about it in the first half because, you know, the reason that they are favored and the reason that we've seen these numbers in Big Ten games is this home trend has really continued to the point where, you know, I, I do think you see uh, a little bit of a tax being applied, which makes it more difficult for the full game to hit. And if it's the full game's going to hit, especially with a team like Purdue, who we agree is the worst team, then they're going to have to get out early. They're going to have to get the crowd involved. And they're going to have to really be playing, you know, at a high emotional level as well as physically. So I think that all of that lends itself towards if you like Purdue, you're probably better off playing them in the first 20 minutes than the full game. Yeah, I mean, as a home favorite this year in 10 games, they're 6-4 and four against the number. So, I mean, they, you know, obviously that's 60%. They're slightly over above. But, you know, they're one cover tonight away from you know, not being a, that that good of a profitable uh, home against a spread team. Well, I sure hope that's tonight. Like I said, that was uh, that raised my eyebrows when you said that line moved some more. But uh, we'll just have to see how the game shakes out there in West Lafayette. I want to go to the Big East now for my final two plays on the College Hardwood. One of which is a match, but I'll stick with the one unit play, uh, and that is on uh, Seton Hall. I am going to lay the short number on the road. Uh, I'll fully admit this is a little bit of a square pick on my edge, uh, but it's not so much on Seton Hall. Yes, uh, they are off that loss against Xavier. A loss that they didn't play well, and that was a pretty eye-raising score And uh, as Seton Hall lost by double digits to Xavier at home. But I'm just looking now. This makes up for my Iowa poor read. I get some better reads here. I laid two and a half with Seton Hall. I'm seeing this out to three and a half. They are on the road in the in Georgetown. And even though Seton Hall didn't play that well and obviously lost by double digits against Xavier, still nine and one in their last 10, seven and three against the spread in their last 10. And, um, you know, the one loss was obviously the most recent game. 
So I looked, they were on not just a nine-game winning streak, it was a 10-game winning streak that the Pirates were on uh, before losing that one game to Xavier. So I think so often, as gamblers, we have to avoid uh, having a recency bias. We have to avoid uh, just over-evaluating one data point and kind of look at the full body of work. And I think the full body of work says Seton Hall is the best team in the Big East. And we'll see what happens when they play Villanova. Uh, But you're telling me I got them laying two and a half against a Georgetown team that I think is going away. Four and six in their last ten are the Hoyas. That's both straight up and against the spread. Uh, I think if Seton Hall had won against Xavier rather than lose by double digits, I think we're seeing this number tick out closer to five and a half, six. Uh, so I think we're getting a little bit of value here. I think the Pirates are cheap. I would still lay it at the current market, which looks like three and a half. Um, I, I like the Pirates here. As I said, I think Georgetown is going away. And, Matt, I'm sure you and I both were on the Hoyas uh, not too long ago, and uh, they couldn't get it done in the second half. Yeah. Um, Butler? I, 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 I kind of I, – I'm not playing Seen Hall, but if I had to, I would lean Seen Hall here. And like you said, it's just a little unfortunate that it's kind of, you know, a little bit of a square play. But Georgetown really just – they've been really disappointing in these spots. In these spots where that, we like that, to – Was that Butler that we were both on them? I want to say it was. Um, Yes, Georgetown at home. Georgetown Butler. Minus one. They lost to Butler. And they had a huge um, half at halftime. Or a huge yeah, lead. they had a huge lead at halftime. They blew it. Uh, Georgetown, I believe they had a lead in this game as well. I was on them a little bit ago. Or not, they weren't, but they made a comeback. In minus four. They don't get it done at home against Marquette. Even at home the game before against Creighton, minus three. They got the push. I believe, you know, some people on it probably had it in a minus two and a half. I did. Um, I see looking back now. But this Georgetown team just in these typical home spots, short lines where we expect them to get up for the opposing team, eh, they haven't seemed to really be coming through. And so this would definitely be a spot that clarified. However, there has been two points of line movement. So just be aware that if this number, you know, if you caught it at minus one and a half, that's a great bet. At minus three and a half, it's solid. Just just be careful, though. If it climbs to four, four and a half, could be buyback value on the hometown Hoyas. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they did come from behind at Madison Square Garden to beat St. John's, but St. John's also kind of more uh, in the middle of the pack, probably not an NCAA tournament team. Georgetown, I just think, between that Butler loss uh, and you mentioned the Marquette loss, uh, they lost at Villanova by 14. They're running out of opportunities here. And uh, I, I, I think with Seton Hall off a loss, they win tonight and Georgetown drifts further away from NCAA tournament conversations. So I like the Pirates. Matt, what's next for you? Yeah, I'm going to be playing Ole Miss on the first half money line. Um, this is just standard minus 110. Uh, Ole Miss at home against South Carolina. Another one that I'm really just using some data to be backing here. As you can see, my trends recently, I've been liking to play a lot of first halves, uh, specifically in college basketball, specifically on the home teams. I've just noticed that a lot of times, you know, they can come out hot, win the first half, and ultimately have a meltdown or lose in the second half. Or ultimately, the road team coming into the game is better, and they do get the better of them in the second half. And the crowd plays less of a factor. Nonetheless, 
if I play the first half and lose, you know, on these short lines, such as Ole Miss's minus one at home, you know, then I have the opportunity to then evaluate. Are they down nine and a half? Are they now I'm getting plus nine for the full game. So now I can play second half and get a better line rather than being locked into the minus one for the full game. And, you know, then doubling down to that minus one. So it's just a good way to reevaluate my halftime bet because I either lose or win. And then I can evaluate what the second half line means for the full game rather than if I'm locked in at halftime at the pregame line, then I have to decide, okay, do I double down or do I just let it ride on my pregame wager? So I've been liking a lot of first halves. Nonetheless, South Carolina on the road has a negative first half margin of victory, minus 0.7. So not that much, but on the road, they obviously struggle. Flip the script very, very much just like what we've seen in the big 10 and in other conferences across the country, Ole Miss pathetic minus 9.1 on the road. First half margin of victory. However, fortunately for us, they're playing at home where they hold a plus 7.2 first half margin of victory. And I'll take that. Yeah. And again, I think that this is a good look on your part. Uh, sometimes I think these, uh, you know, these halftime splits are maybe not as accounted for uh, as some others. Like, for example, in the NBA, one thing that I've noticed uh, that uh, has become more and more accounted for, and, you know, this is still a couple months off, but uh, the first half team down 0-2 in a playoff series, they it was hitting at some absurd percentage where, you know, they would come out with a desperation and cover the first half line. But in recent years, that cover rate has gone down because a lot of people were hitting that first half. So I just think in general, some of those half splits that you mentioned, uh, it takes a lot. And as I said, that NBA playoff down 0-2 first half line thing I mentioned, that was a double digit sample size of games where it kept hitting, kept hitting, kept hitting. And then it finally got a little expensive to where, you know, the favorite down Oh two was laying the same number in the first half as they were the full game. So I, I think the point is if you can find angles like this where, you know, it's not accounted for and there is a competitive advantage in the first half, then it's worth a look. And yeah, Ole Miss, they've certainly been horrible on the road. Uh, but for them to play a good 20 minutes at home, uh, I think that's a different story and uh, certainly an investment that is worth a look. I'm going to wrap things up for my NBA picks, or I'm sorry, college basketball picks, uh, with a max play, actually. Uh, and I like the Villanova-Butler game under the total in uh, Indiana, as uh, Butler is at home, and I bet this under... 130 and a half. Uh, looks like the numbers moved around a little bit. 131, 131 and a half, I think, are still out there. Uh, but here's what I'm saying the under at Hinkle Fieldhouse this year is eight and four. And I think blindly there's something to that because Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, the home of the Butler Bulldogs, has been one of the hardest places to play in college basketball for quite a while. Um, really ever since Butler moved to the Big East. And 
when you have hard places to play, normally you have good crowds. And this should be a raucous environment at Butler against the Villanova team that we know, you know, obviously a blue blood program, we can call them, with two national championships recently. So we're going to get a crazy crowd. And I think that means we're going to get more defense from Butler, who allowed 76 points to Villanova just a couple weeks ago on January the 21st. So Butler knows it needs to defend better. And then I mentioned 76 points. That's what Villanova allowed against Creighton, uh, with uh, Creighton having 76 points in a win at Villanova. So we get a Villanova team off a loss. And Villanova for the season is only allowing 66 points per game. So that was a subpar effort for them defensively on Saturday against Creighton. So we get a Villanova team off a loss, and not a bad loss, too. They lost by double digits to Creighton. And we get a crazy environment that unders have been profitable at this year. And we get a Butler team that obviously knows it has to defend better if it wants to have a chance against Villanova. And obviously this is only a a two-and-a-half-point spread, so we're expecting a close game. Uh, I love the under here. It's a max play for me. Greg, I'm always in your corner. I'm always rooting for you. However, just an interesting trend that I did know about this game. The reason I only know about this game is because I actually wanted to play the under as well, noticing that Villanova has also went under four of their last five. However, something that steered me away was that off of the four Butler Bulldogs losses this year, they're three and one towards the over. And off of the... or off of the five, excuse me, now obviously we'll be playing it, but off of the previous four losses, they're 3-1 towards the over, and Villanova coming off a loss now, we'll see, but to their previous three, they were 2-1 and one towards the over. So, very, you know, pretty small sample size, obviously only four losses for Butler and three losses for Villanova, but both have slightly favorable trends towards the over, but again, small sample size, and this game goes under, and now you're staring at Nova 2-2 two and two and Butler 3-2. and two. So not that big of a deal, just a little something. Do you, do, you, do you care about trends like that ever, Greg, when you're checking out an over-under like this, or, or, or no? I mean, yes and no. I, I think that like, your point is well taken about the Villanova overs off a loss, because naturally off a loss, you're probably not scoring as much. So we expect some positive regression there. And they did only score 61 against Creighton. So I do hear you. Um, I just think that between a not-so-good defensive outing from Villanova against Creighton and a not-so-good defensive outing from Butler against Villanova the last time they played and a big, crazy environment early, that all of those things lend itself to defense. So I'm willing to kind of look past that. Um, and you know, it's funny you say that I was thinking normally a max play for me is just two units. I was thinking about going to three units, but so that will be enough for me to kind of slow my roll there. What number did you get on that as well? You said I got one thirty, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So also I'll move up to one thirty one as well, but I mean, yeah, got, which is another reason why so. I don't know that I want to bet it again. I think I'll just stick with what I got and you know, I, I got a good number on Seton hall couple bad numbers on some other games. Right, 630 start time. Does that change anything for you? 30 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. A little earlier. So maybe, 
So maybe like, you know, maybe I think that might maybe lend itself towards, uh, if anything, maybe this game goes over in the first half. Uh, I, I know I look at these games. Oh, my God, it's 6 o'clock. I try and figure no, out what that means. No, right. I don't, I don't Gosh, know like, that means Maybe much. a late-arriving crowd, I, I think that you know. could, could factor in a little bit. But um, I, I'll stick with under 130 is what I took and uh, see what happens. Even even sometimes, you know, you always think those automatic 10 a.m., 11 a.m. games when they have those tournament times early in the season, oh, it's an automatic under, and sometimes they go over by 25 sure. points. So. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I, I would take all of those factors in as a grain of salt after you actually check out the real bolts and knots of the game, like you did. But, and like we said, this game goes under. I mean, that's adding an under to both of them after a loss. So their numbers and their percentages change from sixty-six percent and seventy-five percent to fifty percent and sixty percent. Uh, so they they change drastically. That's all I got in college hoops, Matt. Anything else from you? Uh, no, college hoops, I am good, and I'm actually going to take us to the NBA hardwood um, with the max play when we get back from the break. And there you have it. We're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our brand-new sponsor, Bet Online. Missed your chance to bet on the Kansas City Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl? Well, fear not, listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering, partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter what time of year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Baseball's opening day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your futures bet for next year's Super Bowl. Head over to betonline.ag and use your promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We've signed up. It's super easy. And if you guys, if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up and visit betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by Matt Siegel at Showtime Cappers for his picks. Matt, you said you had a big NBA play. Let's hear it. Yeah, Greg, I have a max play on the NBA hardwood. Might be a little square. Might not be what you love. But I'm doing a two-team parlay. Minus 105 odds. Toronto Raptors on the money line, Los Angeles Clippers on the money line. Two-team parlay, minus 105 odds, max play. Before I even get into it, Greg, what's your opinion on what I do sometimes with these parlays? Yeah, so I'll be honest, Matt. I am not a huge parlay guy. I mean, listen, if you can, uh, you know, you do, you are able to get it down to juice where I would consider it. Um, because generally speaking, I just don't like high juice plays. I don't like putting all my eggs in one basket. Um, however, uh, I think that your rationale is, um, you know, kind of pretty simple that, you know, the better teams should win. Uh, I, I guess what I am hesitant on is the... NBA is all about motivation and sometimes teams 
will take these nights off. And generally speaking with parlays, I don't like relying on two, three, four teams to win a standard juice play where if I can just bet the spread or the total, I can only rely on one outcome. So it's not my role. You won't see me give these out, but uh, you know, I'm not going to be overly critical of it. Of course. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking us to first of the hottest team in the NBA uh, yeah, and that's not the Milwaukee Bucks. That's the Toronto Raptors, who are on an 11-game winning streak and one of the top home teams in the NBA, sporting an 18-7 and record at home. They're catching the Pacers, who are on a 6-4 and game record in their last 10 games. They're on a two-game losing skid, and frankly, they're not that good away from Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Only 13 and 12, one game, <clears throat> excuse me, over 500. And the Raptors have an extra day rest here. They played at home on Sunday, so they didn't travel, and they had off Monday and Tuesday. Meanwhile, the Pacers played at home, had a tough loss. They were five and a half point favorites, Greg, and they lost at home by nine points to the Ma- to a Luka Dantich list Mavericks team. That's a pretty bad loss, in my opinion. I think the Raptors continue their dominance right into the all-star break. And I'm taking a a, a look at their schedule. Uh, And the reason I really like this game, Greg, is because they have a home and road match with the Pacers. So I really wouldn't be shocked if the Raptors snag this one and then the Pacers come back at home and the Pacers effectively would then be on a three-game losing streak. And at home, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, they can can snap that three-game losing streak against the Toronto Raptors. But... I mean, the Toronto Raptors have just been playing outstanding basketball that I really like them for this parlay here. Now, the second part of the parlay obviously goes to the team that I believe is the NBA Finals champion, Destiny, uh, that I believe is the best, hands down, the best team in the NBA. I don't care where they stand in the standings. The Los Angeles Clippers. Sporting yeah, they, 20, they don't care either, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they care whatsoever. I, I feel like it's a little bit like that Warriors team, a bit where they can flip the switch or whatnot. They just flip it in a little different ways. They're not going to start raining threes on you, but they'll lock up defensively and, they, and they'll score right at the rim and, and they'll get effective, efficient buckets. 21 and 5 at home against the Miami Heat, who we know are amazing at home. But just like the Pacers, they struggle on the road, holding a 500 record, 12 and 12 on the road. The Miami Heat are also coming off of a 31 point domination to the Philadelphia 76ers, now flying across country to LA, you know, where LA has been home. LA has been home. Since since January 27th, Greg. So the, the, they've played three straight home games, have had days off. They're still home again. So not much travel there. Players are rested. Everyone's playing. And for the Heat, they just lost their seven-footer in Myers Leonard. He's not going to be playing tonight. He tweaked his ankle the other day against the Sixers. Tyler Hero also for the Heat. Obviously, a great shooter, not expected, and by not expected to play, I mean he's out, he's injured, got hurt the other day as well, so they're now down two guys, you know, they were able to edge out the Sixers last week without them, but they were already created a tremendous lead. 
you can take this Clippers and Raptors parlay to the bank. It's a max parlay, minus 105 odds for me. Yeah, I definitely like the Clippers look for sure. Raptors have been playing really well, too. I just think uh, that one, if you had to ask me one leg, that would miss. I think Indiana is is a team that uh, treats the regular season like it means something, and they got in, Victor Oladipo back, so... Um, yeah, no, I agree. Out of the two, I, I definitely think the Raptors would be the one to lose more so just because just because of specifically also the win and the schedule and the travel with the heat. But like I said, fortunately for me, the Raptors are playing the best basketball in the NBA and they're on an 11 game winning streak. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm certainly not going to argue too much with the Raptors. I just took the Clippers minus six. I was looking at it last night. Hearing, well, you, you, go. On it, hearing you on it kind of uh, nails it home for me. Uh, you mentioned it. Miami's home road splits are pretty drastic. We know about how good they are in South Beach, and they certainly showed the Sixers that. But uh, now you get the Clippers at home. And, you know, yes, while they have the Clippers have clearly made it a point that they don't always care about the regular season games, they also are. Uh, I feel like they do, though, against a good team. Right, exactly. Uh, they do. In, in these national TV games. That's, That's also true on ESPN tonight. Because it's kind of like, oh, well, people think we don't care. So now let's show them that we do care and what, what kind of team we are when we do have a marquee opponent on the schedule. So, you know, Matt, you had a good call on the Hawks and, and, and you got ahead of the line when Kawhi Leonard was ruled out, like that's when you want to fade the Clippers, when they're playing a lottery team, when they're playing a team that there's nothing to be gained by winning. Here, there's clearly some advantages as far as the reputation for the Clippers is concerned. And the more games they win like this, the more everybody just excuses the load management for Kawhi Leonard and the losses to the Atlanta Hawks like they had. Now, why, Greg? It's real simple because then it's like, they don't care what they do without Kawhi or without Paul George. Look at us. When we have our five best on the floor, we can beat anyone in the league. And that's what they say. And that's what they do. Exactly. I want to wrap things up. Uh, and I'll take the best of the number here on a max play. This number has come down. I disagree with the move. Not the game that most people will paying attention to. But all tickets cash the same. Second max play for me in the NBA I'm taking the Minnesota Timberwolves minus four and a half because I'm looking at this Ooh, and I'm thinking, Craig, that's good luck, man. The Timberwolves are a dumpster fire right now. And they're laying points to me. That looks this line makes no sense. And that's why I'm slamming it. The Timberwolves just made a lot of trades. And I think that that signals to the veteran guys. Hey, we still got 24, 48 hours before the deadline. You can. Play your way out of here if you play well. Younger guys that get a, more of an opportunity to step in and have a chance to prove themselves and be a part of the Minnesota Timberwolves' future. I was on the Timberwolves on Monday against Sacramento, and they nearly came back from a 20-point deficit. They made that game very interesting. Fortunately, I was able to catch Timberwolves' second half. So is this a reward spot, Greg? You play well, you get the win, and maybe we'll uh, send you to a better team. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, I don't hate. I don't hate the rationale, Greg. I really don't. We've I, seen. I, I didn't think of that. I. I don't say I've ever used that, but you know, saying it out loud kind of makes it sound nice. Like Robert Covington got traded to Houston, and uh, we saw Shabazz Napier get traded to Denver yesterday, and Noah Vonley as well as uh, the Nuggets are trying to improve their bench. So there's guys 
on this team that clearly see that and either maybe they can play their way out of Minnesota, which I'm sure a lot of people would like to, or there's guys that are going to get opportunities now to prove that they need to be part of the future for this team. Uh, and, and hey, they're playing the Atlanta Hawks, who are actually worse than the Timberwolves, as crazy as that sounds. That's why, as crazy as it looks like Minnesota is favored, they are actually playing a worse team, despite the fact that the Timberwolves have lost 12 in a row. The Atlanta Hawks were also in that 14 trade yesterday. It was the Timberwolves, Hawks, Rockets, and Nuggets. And the Atlanta Hawks got Clint Capella, who isn't going to play tonight. He's hurt. But he was probably the best player in that trade. So I think that's kind of interesting where you have the worst, one of the worst, well, the team with the worst record in the trade, the Hawks, acquiring the best player in the move. Like, I'm not sure what's going on there, but I just don't think there's a similar angle where guys can play their way out of Atlanta because they don't seem to be in sell mode. So um, I like the Timberwolves.